Good evening, everyone. I'm just going to go right into it. Let's stand for our call to worship and prayer this evening. John 1, 12 to 14. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Dear Lord, once again we are so grateful and humbled to gather here to speak on missions, to praise you for the atoning death of Christ on the cross and the salvation that we can receive through faith in him, that we can meditate on scripture like this and, and praise you in our hearts for your wonderful goodness and mercy. We thank you now as we, as we commit this time to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, if we can call up Pastor Bisa for his testimony. Um, there's no children's worship, <laughs> but then uh, if we can hear from you, Pastor, and uh, uh, yeah, please join us. Thank you, Pastor. Greetings to all of you again this evening. Uh, greetings to the pastors, greetings to the deacons, and to the rest of the church family. Uh, my name is Pastor Stimbi Somashangu. Uh, take this thing off, man. Uh, uh, my name is Pastor Stimbi Somashangu. Some of, uh, all of you know me here, man. And uh, I'm going to tell my testimony briefly. Uh, I grew up in a, uh, well, in a Christian home, in a Christian home. And my grandparents, I was brought up by my grandparents. I never knew my father. Uh, the only recollections I have from my early years is that of my grandparents. So um, uh, my mom, trying to look for work, uh, she's a teacher by profession, left me with my grandparents and she went up uh, about looking for work and so that's how uh, I got mentored and, and grew up in my grandparents' home in the location. And um, growing up, I mean, these are missionaries. Uh, you went to church each and every Sunday. Yes, there's no question. You went. And, you know, my grandfather was a Zulu man too, man. He, he, he just went. Uh, he didn't even have to uh, speak. He just look at you and you know uh, it's time for church. And we, we grew up very, I, I enjoyed growing up in my parents' home, uh, grandparents' home. Uh, every, every evening, uh, we prayed, and he would call us, and he, he, because there are so many of us living, my cousins, and man, my grandfather just brought in everybody, and um, we knew at a certain time uh, he wanted us to come and pray, and, 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 and he would pray for us, and the, the way he would call us, because there were so many of us, he would whistle, and we knew, everybody, we went, uh, uh, to to their bedroom and we would sing and and pray together. Um, but at the he passed on um, early in my uh, adolescent years, uh, and then my mom got a job and my mom took me. Uh, I started living with my mother, so I was now brought up by my mother. 
And uh, when it was high school uh, time, uh, I went to Greendale, Greendale High School. And uh, there, uh, I think in Greendale, they, I don't know if they still have it. They used to have uh, assemblies. Is that one? You have an assembly in the morning. Uh, every, I think it was every Mondays and Wednesdays. This particular time, it was a Wednesday. I'll never forget it. Uh, I was 15 years of age. And Pastor Roger came. I didn't know his name then. He came and he preached the word of God. And uh, as he was preaching, the uh, Holy Spirit just, just, just hammers my heart. I've heard my grandfather preach. Uh, I mean, my grandfather preached the gospel. He preached it. But, you know, it just... You know, it just didn't click. But Pastor Roger, and he was preaching and preaching. I guess I was older to understand better. I, I don't know. But man, the Holy Spirit just pounding my heart and pounding my heart and pounding my heart. I believe that got saved right there in my seat, to be honest with you. And when he was done, uh, he didn't sit with the rest. He, he went uh, out. They would give you an option as a pastor. Do you want to sit down and wait for the whole uh, assembly to be over, do you want to leave? And he, he said, no, I just, uh, I'd like to leave. And as he left, it's exactly like this, this, the setting was. It's boys, I don't know, I can't remember, then girls. And as he left, uh, I was sitting where Kyle is, somewhere around about there. Sorry, Kyle. And uh, I wanted to grab his hand, but in each row, there's a prefect, you know, standing uh, so I was afraid of the prefect. I'm going to try, uh, like a terrorist, grabbing an American. So, and, and, and I couldn't do that. I wanted to grab him and ask more. You know, I was, I was, I was convicted. I'm telling you. And he left. I, I, I didn't even hear after what was said during the assembly. Immediately when the assembly was over, uh, I went to the principal's office. I remember it was Mrs. Van Yerden. How many minutes do I got now, man? <laughs> I mean, this van Yerden. And I went to an, her office. Now, she was a mean woman. Uh, I'll never forget that lady. She was mean. And I went to, I went to her and said, Miss Van Yerden, where did you get this? Egvedni. I said, go ask the teachers. And I went, I went to the money office where you pay your school fees. And Dennis Hempel, you know, Dennis Hempel, Dennis Hempel, Hem, Dennis Hempel and August Hempel, were a, a, a deacons at Faith Baptist. Oh, obviously, I didn't know that at the time. I go there to the money office to pay my, where you pay your school fees. And I say, where did you find this guy? And Denise with a smile on her face. This is my pastor. I said, really? I said, yeah. I said, I, I need to talk to him. And, and, and she said, yeah, give me your name and number, and I, 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 he'll call you and he will come. And she took my number down. And right there and then, Denise called Pastor Roger. She, Pastor, there's a young man here. He, he wants to talk to you. He says, I, I'll arrange after school. He'll, he, I'll come then. Then Denise gave me a gospel track. She always has got, when you pay school fees, every child that pays school fees, she gives a gospel track to this child. And um, he, she gave me a track. Now keep in mind, the Holy Spirit is working in my heart at the time. I grabbed the track and I, re- I was crying from the minor office to the classroom. When I get to the classroom, you know, you sit with a, with a, with a seatmate back then. You used to sit with a seat. And I'm crying. And this guy, stop crying, man. Why are you crying? <laughs> I, I cannot explain it to him. I, I'm, I'm just convicted. And I read this thing. And I read it. The more I read it, the more convicted I get. 
And I cannot stand it. I just, I, I remember at recess, at break time, at lunch time, I, I took it out again. I, I went and sat alone and I read it and I just kept on. I, I just couldn't wait to hear from this pastor. And, and sure enough, he, he came at three o'clock sharp. Talk about white men keeping time. I, I, I hand it over to you guys. You keep time, okay? And an and, and American, it's even worse. And Pastor Righteous is a perfectionist. You know, everything must be. And he kept Right there, I tried to clean the house as best as I know. I, I tried to clean it. I've never had a white man in my house. Especially back then, it was a head off, you know. And um, he knocks. A, a Corolla pulls, pulls up. That's his car. And I don't know why he knocks so hard. He knocks hard. I mean, literally like that. And I open the door. Are you see? He struggles to pronounce Sitem. I say, yes, I am. He says, can I come in with you? I says, yeah. He comes in and he sits down and opens the word of God. And it's as if somebody said, the lights, you know. And I say, wow. And everything my grandfather said it just everything just whoo, like a blanket just been revealed i'm like wow and he says timbi so would you like to get saved i said yes please and in my own home in my living room i placed faith in the lord jesus christ and he invited me to church and we were in eden eden park uh, old age home at the time at first time he invited me it was on a wednesday they were meeting on a thursday I came on a Thursday. I couldn't find the church. I didn't know you have to enter Eden Park. He said, a church. He said, next to Midas. So I'm going to an African's church. I go in there, and an African's pastor Vatsuke Iso. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not the guy who invited me. <laughs> I, I, I says, I'm, I, I'm looking for a pastor. And I realize this is not the church. So I go up the road, and I go to another African's church. African's church. I say, I'm lost here, man. And I go back home. He came to my house, Pastor Roger, the following week. He says, I didn't see you at church. I said, I looked for it. He says, no, you enter the old age home. I said, oh. So the next time I entered. Long story short, um, about three months down the line after I got saved, the Lord began to deal with my heart about ministry. And uh, I just couldn't shake it off. And God, I mean, it was clear uh, so I'm calling you to the ministry and I began to talk to Pastor Roger about it and I started preaching in school and here I am today uh, as a preacher and so uh, I praise God uh, for his salvation thank you so much thank you Pastor uh, okay so you heard Pastor Stimbisa's testimony you know the Lord in his greatness has chosen human voices and experiences to be a part of his amazing redemptive plan and sharing this divine message, the gospel. And each of us has unique perspectives in, on life and, um, and situations and what may seem like hindrances sometimes might actually be exactly the thing the Lord uses you most effectively in in your perspective on life, in your past, in your current work situation or family situation. We're going to read 
about just such a thing, the power of a testimony. We're going to look at Paul's defense as he stood before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26. You can turn there. He was on trial because he was accused of a crime. King Agrippa gave him an opportunity to defend himself. And that's exactly what he did. He speaks about his life before Christ, his, his sins, and, and how he recalls his moment of salvation. And he tells him about this, this journey, this purpose that the Lord had set him on and that he could speak gospel truth to both his Gentile jury and the Jewish accusers. I'm going to read the first few verses and we'll pray. And as we look at most of the chapter, you can follow along with me. Acts chapter 26. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And then Paul stretched forth his hand, because they were chained to a Roman soldier, and answered for himself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, concerning all the things which I am accused of the Jews. Dear Lord, we thank you for the power of a good testimony, that you work in our lives, that you sanctify us, that you set us on a course and you equip us through your word to do the work you have called us to do, and that we are, we are proof that you, that you save. I pray that our testimonies may, may bring glory to your name and may give us the inroads to speak gospel truth in our unique situations in life. Amen. So since we're on testimonies, I'll, I'll share a bit of mine. Who, who knows my testimony? A little bit. Over she knows. Okay, great. So I grew up in an atheistic home very early on in my life. Um, we had openly denied uh, any God, and we had set on a road of discovering truth for ourselves, me and my mother and my sister. And uh, every month it was something different. Every month we believed something new, and um, every month some, someone brought a new idea that we could add to our beautiful quilt of, uh, of random um, beliefs like a, a buffet. I'll take some of here, a little bit of Buddhism, a little bit of this, a little bit of this, and we we uh, we lived in that way. I I soon became very frustrated because everyone had a different idea and, and nobody could agree, and there was so much inconsistency. Nobody had answers for me. And I had so many questions. That frustration grew into resentment and anger and bitterness. And I soon um, openly fought. I soon um, lashed out at anyone claiming to believe in anything. And I say, well, 
if nobody has the answer, then there must be no answer. And, um, and I met Christians along the way. I was invited to youth as well. But what they said and what they did were two very different things. The friend that invited me to youth, I went. But I never for once took seriously anything that was said because he partied harder and boozed harder and cursed harder than I could. I struggled to keep up with him some weekends. And that was my experience with Christians, a bunch of hypocrites. Then I went to college and I met Colleen. And for the first time in my life, there was a Christian that actually believed what she said. She, she's living by what she's telling me. It's not just words. It, it, there's something different. And so for the first time, I considered seriously what she had to say. I'm shaking. Wow. And the Lord used that to convict me of my sin and to save me. She had a testimony. And she didn't come out of some miraculous vision like we're going to read tonight, although that's what the Lord used in Paul's case. And many of us have strange and, and um, eventful testimonies. She was a Christian her whole life. and She gave her, her life to the Lord at a young age, and she's lived by it. And that was enough. That was exactly what the Lord used. I want us to, as we read Paul's testimony here and how he, he was in such a unique situation to speak authentically to his accusers, how we can translate what we read here tonight into our own lives and the people that we might confront with our testimonies. So firstly, Paul's testimony, his experience in living the truth. We're going to read from verse 4. Uh, Truly then, all the Jews, uh, I'll, read, I'll read it in here. My manner of life from my youth, which was at first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, it says. He shares his his savage sins and how he persecuted the church. He shares his salvation um, moment on the road to Damascus. And then he shares his service, the path that the Lord has set him on. So you, his, um, his savage sins. I'll read it again from verse 9. I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints that I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests, and when they were put to death, I gave voice against them, and I punished them oft in the synagogues, and I compelled them to blaspheme, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. I can relate to that. 
if anyone ever says sincerity is enough, <laughs> just point them to this man, the most faithful, the most sincere, the most relig religiously zealot person. And he says, I did many things contrary to the name of Christ. And I was convicted that this is right. Do you this morning, if you think about your life before salvation, if you think about um, even after salvation, we have these moments, I'm sure, where, where we're set in what we believe. Whether it's the pursuit of wealth, whether it's um, <clears throat> some other worldly idol, whether it's um, anything under the sun, and we think, this is it, this is, this is, this is right. <laughs> but, it doesn't stay that way for long. You know, the Lord can use those moments to shape your testimony. Let me give you an example. I was very recently saved. I was a month-old baby, and I went with my mother to the Buddhist temple in Bronco Sprite. Um, a trip we had planned many months before. And um, they had a big yearly festival, and, and um, they had a, a worship ceremony thing um, in the main hall. But, but I, I didn't go in. I stood at the door. They were handing out ceremonial candles that you, that you pray and you blow out. And I said, no, thank you. I'm just going to stay here. <laughs> Um, my mother was very upset with me, but uh, that's okay. And as I looked at the people in attendance, wasn't Buddhist monks? <laughs> it was Joe Burgers <laughs> and people from Pretoria and families with with kids and and I thought these people are looking for answers. I can I was. There, I was this person a month ago. They're just looking for answers. I didn't know enough then, but I did think to myself, I'm sure if I told them, I'm sure they would listen. And I should have. I, I was a very young Christian, but, um, but how the Lord can use our sins, our past wrongs, to speak authentically into someone's unique situation. Let's read on. Paul's salvation, his salvation, verse 12. Whereunto I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priest. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. He's painting a very visceral picture for these um, Gentile juries. He's speaking very specifically to the king, shining around. When I had fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, saying, Soul, soul, why persecutest thou me? Is it hard to kick against the pricks? You know, at some point in our lives, we've all felt this, uh, this prick, this kicking in the, uh, in the Jewish world, um, um, a labor animal, they would prod with a rod to, to spur him on, and then he would 
try and kick them. <laughs> it is a very uh, vivid illustration. But every one of us here who has accepted Christ would know what that feels like when the Spirit convicts us of what we thought was right. That's what repentance means, to put aside this, to lay this aside, to turn away from it, and to turn back to God. That is where salvation begins, and that is that was my, my situation. As soon as I saw somebody living what they said and could answer my, my questions for the first time, it made, it, made, it made sense because I was convicted of what I, the life I was living and, and what I had so earnestly rebelled against and to turn back to God. So he recalls the salvation. If you think about your own salvation testimony, Pastor Stembiso shared that moment so vividly the Lord did something. <laughs> the Lord worked in my heart. I didn't just wake up one day and said, yeah, I think I'll try this for a while. But salvation is something divine where the Spirit regenerates us, where we are given new life. We are, we are sealed salvation and, and, uh, and we... We have the Spirit indwelt in us. And, and we are no longer a slave to sin. And all these, these wonderful things that, that encompass that moment. This, this morning, you would recall that day. Perhaps you were too young, and that's, that's fine. But it, it, it wasn't... Just you saying, yeah, let's try this for a while. If it doesn't work, we'll try something else. That is what Paul was telling these, these, uh, these Gentile believers, um, these, these Gentile jury, I mean. Um, something changed because you remember where I was. I did a 180-degree turn. No human person can, can make that change by themselves. It must be God. What about his service then? The road that the Lord has set him on. Verse 17, Deliver thee from the people, from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee. This is God speaking to Paul. To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God and that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He says, O King Agrippa, the Lord saved me, and then he gave me a mission, a goal, a purpose. And for that very purpose, I stand here before you today. This is not a coincidence. When you think about your salvation testimony this morning, are you where the Lord wants you to be? And it can be anywhere. 
Lord, you have saved me and you have set me on a path. And that is, that is part of, of the testimony that we carry. We cannot say, the Lord saved me, but I still party and I still drink and I still do all those things and I still go to church once a year and, and nothing has changed. <laughs> no, then, in, then it's worthless. Your testimony is it's up to this present day. Consider that. But your testimony is also more than just a recollection of the past. Paul's unique position, his authenticity to speak the truth. That's our next point. Listen to this. Verse 16. So we're jumping around a bit. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of what you saw and what shall appear to you. Then he says, in, we're going to now jump back, okay, to verse 4, 5, and 6. Listen to how, as a Jewish Pharisee, he could speak with authenticity. And please understand what I mean by authenticity. He was an apostle, uh, so he spoke with authority. Let me read it and I'll explain. My manner of life from my youth, which was uh, at first among mine own nation in Jerusalem, which uh, knew me from the beginning, for they would testify that I, after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived as a Pharisee. In other words, I, I was the best at being <laughs> religious. I checked all the boxes. If people were keeping score, Paul would have set the record to beat. Now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. The accusation against me is that I have gone against the Scripture and the law of Moses, and I have blasphemed, and I have taught heresy. But in fact, am I not in a unique position to refute that claim? In, in fact, I have taught the fulfillment of that. I have only ever taught the hope which was always there. That is what I'm preaching now. And I can say it because I was once in the accuser's seat. Those Jewish people that brought those claims to me, against me, I was one of them. I said, but, but, but you, were, you were the best at it. <laughs> you, were, you were the guy. You were the guy we went to and we could rely on. Why the change? He was in a unique position to speak authentically. Think about your salvation testimony this morning, where the Lord has used your unique, uh, perhaps you work in an industry, perhaps you work down a mine shaft, or on, in an uh, office building, or, um, or you're a mother at home, and 
And you have the opportunity to speak authentically into somebody else's life. And another mother, somebody in, in a restricted mine shaft, and it's just you and this big stick of dynamite, and somebody else. You say, if I don't say something, this man might never hear the gospel. Maybe it's your past. Maybe you've gone through some, some trauma or experienced some, uh, some life event where you can say, you know, there is hope in God. You can take it from me because I was here. And the Lord can use that. And he does with Paul. His unique stance as a Jewish Pharisee allowed him to say, no, I'm not preaching heresy. I'm preaching the fulfillment of what we were always taught so well. And as a Roman citizen as well, then said Agrippa unto Festus, this man might have been set at liberty if he had not appealed unto Caesar. As a Roman citizen, he was in a unique position to speak authentically to the, to the highest human authority of his day. All the other apostles were, were, were Jewish by birth. They were not given this right. But Paul, in his unique position, could speak into somebody's life, and, and the Lord, uh, in his sovereignty, had worked that so that Paul could go there. And he was the only person that was able to do so. I guarantee you, if you think hard enough, and it doesn't require a lot of effort, you can identify a unique position in your own lives. Where, where nobody else can speak the gospel, the Lord has put me here, and, and I need to do it. Consider your testimonies this morning. It's not just the words that we repeat Although that's, that is valid, it's, it's what we do now. It's the culmination of our experiences and our, and our past and our current situation. That is the essence of our testimonies. But he's not done because it goes on. Those who we would persuade. In other words, how the people responded to him. Just like in the manner of Mars Hill, we read that people responded differently to what he had to say. Firstly, those who would accuse and slander. Listen to verse 24. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, which learning doth made thee mad. In other words, you got your head in the books, man. All those Jewish scrolls have made you crazy to the cold-hearted um, uh, Roman skeptic mind. Such sincere and passionate faith was something of a bewilderment, I can imagine. The Jewish scriptures were unintelligible to the philosophers and the, and the Greek higher thinkers of the day. And he says, you're, you're, you've gone crazy, Paul. The word tells us that those 
who have their eyes shut would look at the scriptures and consider it foolish. So sometimes our testimony would turn people away, but that's okay. <laughs> we share it anyway. I want you to be realistic. Um, sometimes it does help, and other times, um, and other times it doesn't. Hey, weren't you that that guy that did that thing? Or I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. Sometimes it's it's that way. But sometimes it says those who would possibly consider what you have to say and believe. Paul says in verse 25, but he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, for I speak the words of truth and soberness. And then he turns to the king, for the king knoweth of these things before whom I also speak freely, for I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know thou believest. In other words, Paul is saying, here is a fellow scholar of the Jewish scriptures, one as earnest as I was, one who knows it as well as I do. King Agrippa, we are on the same page. We can see eye to eye. Surely you you understand. <laughs> I think King Agrippa was convicted here because he does not deny it. That is the wonderful thing about a personal testimony. That sometimes there's going to be someone and you're exactly in the right place at the right time. And the Lord can use that. You know the word martyr means it's a Greek word, uh, martyrio, it's a, it's a transliteration. It means witness. It means testimony, literally. Here today we must learn from Paul and look into our own lives, where we work and our experiences, and say, I want to be a martyr. <laughs> I want to be a testimony. I want to be a witness. That is why martyrs are called what they are. If this faith is not real, why would somebody walk fearlessly into the face of death? Why would somebody forgive sincerely when everything has been taken away from them? It must be real. Look at their witness. That is why we call them martyrs. We can be witnesses as well. We pray for missions every evening. I should have prayed before the message, I think. But tonight I want to pray for that. I want to pray for the persecuted church. We, we read the voice of the martyrs and we, um, we follow from a distance and we... We do what we can. Maybe the Lord one day sends one of us there and we obediently go. But let's tonight pray for those who are witnesses in a way that we, we can't quite imagine. But uh, we'll pray for them now. Dear Lord, 
we thank you. We thank you for that you work in our lives, that you sanctify us, and that you allow us to be witnesses of your truth. And that when we speak the gospel, we can speak authentically. That people will look at our testimony and say, yes, I will, I will listen. Now we pray for the persecuted church, the many countless lives who, who endure unimaginable suffering because their faith is real and you are real. And their salvation is sure. Lord, we, we bring them to your throne this morning, this evening, and um, we pray that you may continue your mighty works in their lives. Thank you for their witness. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.